stand and let's sing together. is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Whether you come this morning full of faith or wrestling with skepticism, whether you come in person or online, whether you are here being after a week that you feel like you've been crushed or uplifted and can't wait for the next week, you are welcomed by God. May grace and peace be yours in abundance in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Savior. This morning, our call to worship will be on the screen. You will do the words in yellow. I will do the words in white. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the highest above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly host. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens. And let you waters above the sky. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For at his command, they were created. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures, and all the ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and women, old men and children. Let us continue in worship as we appraise the name of the Lord. <laughs> i 
I invite you to join me in prayer this morning. We'll be using the words on the screen. Um, my words will be in white and your words as the congregation will be in yellow. There will be moments where the screen goes dark. Um, you might want to pray with your eyes open because there will be words that come back up after that. We'll be using the familiar refrain in the Lord's Prayer as Jesus taught us to pray, hallowed be thy name. Let's pray together. Hear us, O God, as we pray as Jesus taught us to. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We join with Christians around the world as we say, hallowed be your name. God, you created all things and hold us in the palm of your hand. Hallowed be your name. When we pray, hallowed be your name, O God, we pray in the words of the Heidelberg Catechism, help us to really know you, to bless, worship, and praise you for all your works and for all that shines forth from them, your almighty power, wisdom, kindness, justice, mercy, and truth. Help us to direct all our living, what we think, say, and do, so that your name will never be blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. Great God, you are everywhere. 
beyond the stars and the moon, you are here with us today and also in war-torn countries and with the hungry and the oppressed and anywhere people are in need. Hallowed be your name. God in heaven, you are at work in schools, in farms and in factories. You heal the sick and minister to the poor and homeless. Hallowed be your name. In all those who defend the lives and dignity of the poor, orphaned, oppressed, and imprisoned, your name is hallowed. In all those who work night and day to free their siblings from illiteracy, sickness, exploitation, and persecution, your name is hallowed. Forgive us when our focus is solely on ourselves and we do not seek your glory. Hallowed be your name. Stir in our hearts to greatly prefer your majesty and awe above any other object or person. Hallowed be your name. Reign in every heart, in every corner of the world, that you may receive all honor and praise. Hallowed be your name. Increase in us, your church worldwide, a desire to promote your reputation and exalt your greatness. Hallowed be your name. And so we pray, O oh God, that in our relationships with one another, that we would have the mindset of Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. May that day come quickly when your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will fully be honored in every heart and in every place. Hallowed be your name. Amen. You were the one at the beginning, one with God, the Lord most high. Your hidden glory in creation. You have no rival. You have. 
brothers and sisters in Christ, it is because of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, that we have peace with God and with one another. The peace of Christ be with you. I invite you as you are comfortable to share a sign of that peace with your neighbor. Good morning again, Fellowship Church. It's good to be together. My name is Nate Skipper, and I'm one of the pastors here where our mission is to love God and others as an accepting community centered in Christ and focused on developing faithful followers of Jesus. If you are new or if you're visiting with us, we are very glad that you are with us. If you would like to make yourself known to us, uh, you can fill out one of these connection cards. You can find it online in the bulletin or uh, at the back of the sanctuary, there should be some around that you can fill out. And, you know, if uh, you wanted to uh, jump in where you have a new members class, Discover Fellowship class happening right now, you can just scoot on over there uh, and be here until 2 o'clock with them. Uh, it's a, a hard-pressed uh, uh, meeting that will go combined with what's happening this after, right after this service that you all are most invited and even encouraged to join us for is our congregational meeting. We'll have uh, some lunch together. Thank you to Boar's Head for supplying some hot dogs and giving us uh, some free ones so we can all have lunch for free. It's awesome. Uh, enjoy us uh, and join us at the congregational meeting uh, immediately following this service where we'll do a number of things. But one of the things that we will do uh, at that congregational meeting is commit one with one another to a ministry spending plan. It's a probably more affectionately known as the budget. Uh, and this has uh, uh, gone through a lot of processes, and we'll tell you about that. Uh, and then we will together look at it and commit to it uh, together. And one of the ways in which we, one sign of our commitment is by giving uh, and participating in that by giving of our tithes and offerings. And you can do that at the giving bowls at the back of the sanctuary or uh, by giving online uh, on, on our website. Since the printing of the bulletin, uh, we regret that uh, our dear sister Suzanne Rich has passed on to glory, uh, and so keep her family in her prayers. Uh, she will be, will have more um, details as they come to us, but we just found out yesterday that she passed on uh, this morning. So uh, keep them in your prayers. The children on the, through eighth grade are invited uh, to their spaces with uh, Miss Betsy at this time. Uh, you can head on back. The rest of us will stand and worship together. Hey! 
Well, this morning, we uh, welcome to uh, the pulpit of Fellowship Church the internationally known Christian Van Dyke, all the way from Apple. Where are you from again? From Appledorn. Appledorn, yeah. yes, I knew that. Appledorn. Uh, you, don't, you don't seem to meet the age requirements for Appledorn, though, Christian. I'm 44. Oh, really? Uh, well, I still don't think you meet the age requirements yet. Uh, you're not from the Appledorn on the other side of the lake, though, are you? I, I just know it took us eight hours to get here. Oh, uh, eight, eight hours? Eight hours by plane. Oh, by plane, yeah. So you're from the big lake across the big pond uh, yeah, uh, in exactly. Appledorn, Netherlands. We have a picture here for uh, folks. Here's the Netherlands. And then Appledorn is that where that little red arrow. You're kind of right in the heart of the country. You might yeah. call it the Midwest of the Netherlands. <laughs> It, it's very much like the Midwest. It's like yeah. the Midwest, yeah. Well, we are grateful uh, to have Christian with us. Uh, he is one of our mission partners. He is a church planter in the Netherlands, which means you're not only a church planter. What else do you do? I'm also a structural engineer. A structural engineer yeah. by day and a pastor by night. Yeah. And? And I, I study at Western a Theological Seminary. And? And I'm a father of three. And <laughs> that's, that's about it. A husband to Cecilia. Oh, husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To Cecilia. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, Don't forget about her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I almost forgot. Uh, we should introduce your family to, to yeah. Fellowship Church because it's not just you. Can you uh, introduce them to us? Yeah. So, so to the right, there is our oldest uh, daughter named Tahira. It's an Arabic name meaning uh, pure. Um, and then we have Simeon. Uh, that's our, our, our second born. Um, he is 12. And then we have Joshua, who's very, very energetic, and he is, uh, he's 10. I think I would like that Joshua guy. He yeah. seems like he's fun. Uh, Christian, this is uh, Christian's first time uh, preaching in the United States. It's his first time at Fellowship Church, and your first time ever, well, actually second time second after time the first now. service, yeah. uh, <laughs> preaching in English. Uh, he's a native Dutch speaker, so we got to give him a little love and grace as he uh, comes into our pulpit. And to be frank, this is the first time that Fellowship has also uh, welcomed a Dutch preacher. Well, actually, a currently living Dutch preacher uh, to, to the pulpit here at Fellowship. We are grateful because it's so fitting for uh, this Eastertide series, Afterglow, uh, where we are looking at uh, some of the first disciples' first encounters with the risen Christ uh, to have our uh, great friend and partner, uh, Christian, here to preach. Uh, before you do that, do you mind if I pray for you? Please. Let's, let's pray. God, uh, we thank you for Christian, uh, for who you have made him to be by nature and by grace, for his deep, deep, deep love for you and his desire uh, for more and more people to come to know your love and grace that we know in Jesus. So we pray that uh, you might be with him uh, for this next little bit, that your peace would surround him and be with him, and that your Holy Spirit would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you might be saying through him this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 One more time, give it up for Christian. He's going to bring it. Thank you. Zo, goedemorgen allemaal. Het is heel fijn om hier te mogen zijn vandaag. 
Oh, in English. Oh, okay. <laughs> so good morning, church. It's a, it's a blessing to be here. And many of you uh, don't know me and don't know my wife, Cecilia, but you, uh, Fellowship Reformed, has, have been a, a great blessing to us in the Netherlands over these last couple of years. And uh, we are so grateful to be here today. Um, and as I understand it, the, the church is going through a series called the Afterglow series. And it's all about rupture and repair. And today we are going to talk about the first G of the five Gs, and that is the go towards. And um, it's, it can be very difficult to go towards another person, especially when uh, this person is completely secular and does not believe in God and frankly does not want to uh, start believing in God. So two years ago, um, my wife had this uh, wonderful idea with two other ladies in church to start a coffee room within, uh, within our old uh, church building. So she and, and, and her two other friends, they worked very hard to paint uh, the, the, the room and, um, and make it nice and, uh, and cozy and to just invite people in. And my wife, she made... Um, like these invitations, and she went out into our neighborhood, just inviting people to come and drink coffee. And just the first person that she spoke to was really blunt. And we are notoriously blunt, the Dutch. <laughs> we can be very blunt. And he said, you Christians, you always have a hidden agenda. I'm definitely not coming to your coffee room. So um, that was very disheartening and very, very discouraging. And she could have easily given up, but she didn't. She continued to go towards. And to go towards another person can be at times a, a scary thing. It can be uncomfortable, and even at times it can be daunting. So let's read scripture this morning, and we'll read from Matthew 28, the verses 16 to 20. And it reads, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. So, so far. So, just a little bit of context. Matthew 28 tells us that after the Sabbath, um, Mary of Magdalena, we say Magdalena, <laughs> Mary of Magdalena and the other Mary, they go together in the morning to the grave. And when they arrive, there is this big earthquake that is caused by an angel coming from heaven, he approaches the grave, he rolls away the stone, and he sits on it. And then the, the, the two ladies arrive, and the angel says to them, tells them that Jesus is risen, that Christ is risen. And he, tell, and he also tells them to go towards the other disciples and tell them that they have to meet Jesus on a mountain in Galilee. And very rightly so, as Pastor Ross shared with us last week, these women became the apostles, the apostles to the apostles. And on their way to see the disciples, they meet the risen Christ. They meet Jesus. And Jesus tells them the very same thing. The disciples have to go into Galilee to this mount and meet Jesus there. And the apostles obey. And they meet him in Galilee. And still some of them doubt, the scriptures say. And what follows after this is what we call the Great Commission. And to you, probably, it's very known, the Great Commission. Some of us even know the Great Commission by heart. It's, it's a very familiar verse. But this morning, when we, when we study this Great Commission together, I want to make it a little bit personal to our ministry in the Netherlands. So, the first thing I asked myself when I heard the Great Commission while studying in, the, in Bible school, I ask myself, is the Great Commission for me? I've, I've always thought that the Great Commission applied to missionaries only, or at least 
to church professionals like uh, Pastor Nate and Pastor Tierra. Um, it is for people in full-time ministry, I always thought. After all, the Great Commission was given to the 12 disciples uh, only and not to all of his, um, his followers here in this verse. They were the ones to receive the Great Commission, not all the other people that followed after Christ. In my mind, it is like Pastor Nase and Pastor Chera's job to do the mission, and we as a church support them and cheer them on. And when you look at this verse, you might easily um, come to this con conclusion. But was I right? That's the question. Was I right? Was it Jesus' intention to have a, an extraordinary, an exceptional, a unique and a specialized group of men and women for his mission? To do his job? And I think the answer in scripture is a resounding no. A resounding no. It was never Jesus' intention to have like a group of professionals on the one side and a group, the rest of the church, on the other side, just supporting them and cheering them on. God's intention has always been to create a church, a church for his mission. He doesn't have a mission for the church. He has a church for his mission. Not just a few, but each and every one of us here. He has given the commission, this great commission, he has given it to you. He has given it to me. Just a couple of chapters earlier, in Matthew 13, Jesus has been teaching his disciples about the kingdom of God and what it looks like, what it should look like. And let's read that together. It's Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Now, you will have to know that when yeast is mentioned in the Bible, it's never a good thing. It's never good. Like in preparation for the Passover, uh, like in the ancient Israel, uh, the women had to clean the whole, ho whole house to make it free of yeast. And this was not just a, a very um, quick um, um, uh, clean, but it was a very thorough clean. There shouldn't be any yeast anywhere. And that's very much because of the power of yeast. The yeast affects everything around it. It affects everything. It contaminates everything. It pollutes anything around it. And it's always a picture of sin. I was talking to a baker in the Netherlands. And he said that in his bakery, uh, the flour is, is contained in these special sealed containers because apparently... Um, yeast can travel through the air and, and still pollutes the, the yeast. So yeast is a very powerful thing. The only time that Jesus, uh, the, the, the only time that um, yeast is mentioned in the Bible in a very positive way is here. And Jesus mentions it again very much for its properties. You will see that yeast affects everything it comes into contact with. And Jesus uses this, this attribute of yeast for um, an illustration for the church. And the church, that's us. That's us, that's you, and that's me. And God is adding us to the world as, as a woman would add yeast to flour. We, um, God has placed you here in Michigan in a specific place. And he didn't do that by accident. He didn't with the intent that you would influence the people around you. You have family members that I do not have. You work with people that I do not work with. You have friends that I do not have. You meet people that I will never meet. And the only way that these people will ever see what the kingdom of God is like is when they meet you. They can only see what the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of God is like, is when they meet you. So the first thing we learned, my wife and I, is that the, the, this great commission is not, given, is not given to church professionals only. No, this great commission 
has been given to all of us here, to each and every one of us. And then Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. And my first question is how? Listening to all of this, you might ask yourself, so now what? Should I give up my day job? Should I go into full-time ministry? Should I become a missionary or an evangelist or a minister? I mean, where do I start? What do I need to do? After all, this, like Michigan, cannot possibly be the mission field, can it? And that's what I was thinking. Cecilia and I, we really wanted to become missionaries. We even went to a missionary training college in the Netherlands, an international missionary training college, and we got trained to do missions. And we were very much focused on missions abroad. But God never opened the door for us to go into the mission field. Or did he? I mean, is Europe a mission field? I mean, what about the Netherlands? Is the, is the Netherlands a mission field? Do you know that in the Netherlands, more than half of the population calls themselves an atheist? Like 82% of the Dutch people have never or almost never been inside of a church. Of these 82 who have almost never been, 59% of the people have actually never been to a church or to a church service of any kind. It's only uh, on average 15% of the Dutch who visit a church at least once a month. So not many people go to church. And the RCA has, I think, rightly said, Europe and North America might very well become one of the greatest, greatest challenges for mission today. And I believe that they are right. We are becoming or might even be a mission field. And if this is true, then you and I might be in a very strategic place in a very important time. God has called you as disciples, as representatives, as missionaries here. So let us think a little bit, let us think a moment on what a missionary does. What does he actually do when he goes to the mission field, when he goes towards? The first thing he does when he, when he goes towards, when he moves into a new area, uh, the first thing he does is that he becomes part of the people he wants to reach. And that's very much what Jesus did. He became one of us. He took on flesh. And I like the way that the message reads John 1 verse 14. It says, The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. So the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I very much like that part of moving into the neighborhood. Because all of us have moved into our neighborhood. Into our own neighborhoods. And likewise... Um, God has, 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 has made this neighborhood to us like a sort of a mission field. And what do we do when we enter our neighborhoods? What should we do? Um, and that's what we learned in the Netherlands, is we should spend time with non-believers. Um, sometimes I meet people who have no Christian friends, and I think that's a serious thing. I think we should have non-believing friends. It's good for us, it's good for them. So spend time with not yet believers and start loving them. Just start loving them and start, start understanding how they think. Because that's, that was eye-opening to me. I always thought I'm a Dutchman and, and, and I knew my fellow Dutchmen. But a secular Dutch person thinks about Christ, uh, thinks about, sees this world in a very different way than I look at the world. He has a completely different worldview from us. Uh, just, just a brief illustration. We have uh, the coffee room, and um, uh, one of my neighbors visited the coffee room. And I just had a cup of coffee with her. And we talked about anything. We like to complain about the weather, the Dutch. It's either too hot or too cold. It's either too wet or too dry. Um, so we talked about the weather, and we just, and talked about the neighborhood, and we just had a, a good time. And a week later, she approached me, and 
we hadn't spoken about the gospel. And she said, what kind of Christians are you? And the first thing I did was uh, think about denominations. So I, tr I tried to explain what kind of a denomination we are. And she was looking at me very, very uh, uh, glazily, or how do you say that? Um, she was looking at, and I could, I could, re I could tell she wasn't understanding anything that, that I was, I was saying to her. And this is an intelligent woman, so I said to her, "Does that mean anything to you?" She said, "No, I, what you're saying doesn't mean anything to me." So I said, "Well, you have the Protestants and you have the Catholics. Does does that mean anything to you?" She said, "No, not really." <laughs> so I was, I was at my wit's end. <laughs> how do you say that? I didn't know how to explain it then, and I, I just said, "Well, we're more pro Protestant," but which didn't mean anything to her. Um, and, and this small encounter uh, opened my eyes to, to see that a secular Dutch people person doesn't know anything about uh, uh, Christianity. His worldview or her worldview is completely different from ours. And we should start to listen to them, to understand how they think. And we have to ask good questions, like Pastor Ross was telling us last week. Our question to answer, uh, to answer ratio should be similar to Christ. Christ apparently asked 40 questions and gave one answer. <laughs> so this should be our ratio. Listen to the people around us. And I think this is very much what a missionary does when he goes abroad. He learns how to speak the language. He tries to understand the culture. And he uh, tries to understand how people think. And that's, that's what uh, Cecilia and I have been doing for this last couple of years. Just inviting people over coffee, listening to them, and trying to understand how they think. And then what do you do after you've done all this? You've moved into the neighborhood, you've gone towards, like what's next? What does a missionary do? And I believe what a missionary does is he starts prayerfully searching for a person of peace. And this might be an unfamiliar term to you, but it's used in missions quite a lot, the person of peace. And it points back to Luke 10, verse 5 to 6, where Jesus says, and, and he, he, um, he uh, sends the 72 uh, to the places he is about to go to, and he tells them what they should do when they go towards. He says, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone... If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. So Jesus here says, when you go towards, what you should do is look for a person of peace, a person who promotes peace. And that's a person who opens his house and opens his heart to whatever you have to say. And, and God is moving. He's not only moving in the global south, but he is very much moving in the, in the north as well. And he's working, and we have to just um, uh, be aware of what he's doing uh, up north. And as you enter into contact with non-believers, or we like to say not yet believers, as you live with them, as you come to know them, as you drink coffee with them, and as you ask good questions, prayerfully consider who is the person of peace in your um, in, in your sphere of influence. In which one of the people I meet is God already at work? In which one is he doing uh, um, a, a, a work of, of life? And when you have found him or her, I think you should start modeling what it means to be a follower of Christ. I think that is essentially what discipleship is all about being a model of Jesus Christ. I, I discourage my people in the Netherlands to do evangelism. That sounds horrible. But I, I discourage my people to do evangelism, but I encourage, encourage my people to be a disciple of Christ. We often think about evangelism as something that we do, uh, as an event. We go somewhere and we evangelize from 8 to 10 p.m. and just reach out to the people. Very much an event. But I think discipleship is not so much about uh, what we do. It's very much about who we are. This is not so much about telling only, but it, but it involves doing. It's, it involves being and living as well. 
It's not so much about what we say, but it's very much about who we are. I think Paul formulates this beautifully when he's um, writing to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, he says to the Corinthians, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I think this is, the, this is, the, um, this is what discipleship is all about. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. What we have learned is that everything in nature follows this principle. And the principle is life produces life. It's only life that produces life. And as we have been made alive with Christ, as we've been resurrected with Christ, and that's what we've been celebrating over this last couple of weeks, as we have been been resurrected with Christ, as we have been made alive with Christ, as we learn how to follow him, as we start, um, as we start yeah, making our, our, our steps towards the kingdom, um, we will start to affect the lives of the people around us. We very much become like yeast. We very much become like yeast that is added to flour. And yeast affects everything it comes into contact with. You see, the Great Commission is not so difficult. It's not rocket science. It's very easy. It's not for the happy few. It's, for, it's very much for you and I. It is very much for you in the place that God has put you in, the neighborhood that you have entered. It's very much through you that God wants to reach the world. You and I. And, and that's, that's just great. I think that's awesome. That God does this. And maybe when you're listening to this and you're thinking like the Great Commission for me, like uh, uh, this can be very daunting. This can be maybe even be very scary or very uncomfortable. And, and it is uncomfortable. Um, but I just want to encourage you. Like this Great Commission is bracketed in between two awesome promises. The first promise And this is Jesus Christ saying this to his disciple, disciples is all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Wonderful. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he closes after the great commission and he says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I, I say, praise God. He didn't leave us by ourselves. He didn't hand us this great commission and said, oh, good luck, and left. He has given us the great commission, and it's still his. It's his work. It is his mission. And we, he invites us to be a part of it. Not to do it in our own strength. Not to do it um, on our own, in our own strength, but to do it in his authority. He has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And this must, this, this must, this may encourage us today. We are going forward. We are moving towards in his authority. And then he says, I will be, will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. And whatever God says is yes and amen. When he says he will be with us, when we are moving towards, when we are going towards, he will be with us. He will help us. He will, he will lead us every step of the way. Will it be uncomfortable? Yes. Will it be scary at times? Yes. But he will be with us even until the very end of the age. Shall we pray together? Father God, we just want to thank you for your mission. Father, we thank you that you have yeah, given a mission to the church, to all of us here. That you have made us a part of this great commission. And Lord, that you have not left us to ourselves to do it, but that you are very much present here. Father, I, I just want to thank you for Fellowship Reformed Church. And I just want to ask your blessing on each and every one of us as we move into our neighborhoods again, that we will be, we will be a salt and a light, that we will be the yeast that you will add to the world and that we will affect each and every one that we will come into contact with. Lord, use us for your glory. May your kingdom come. May your will be done 
not only in heaven, but very much here on earth. That's what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In our response to what we have heard, how is the Spirit of God speaking to each of our hearts? How might we follow Jesus this week in going towards somebody that he's already working in? Let's stand and sing together. Big thanks to Christian for being here. We're so grateful uh, that you could join us. Uh, and he will be here for this week. So if you'd like to join us for a dinner where you'll get to know him a little more personally and ask him some questions, uh, there's a sign up for that in the bulletin. Also, make sure you head to the fellowship hall for some lunch and our congregational meeting. We'd love to have you join us for that. As you go this week, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Go in peace.